Writing on the wall. Ding, 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 ding. There's writing on the wall. Ding, 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 ding. It says you don't belong. You're headed for a fall. Can't change a thing at all. The writing's on the wall. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Thigh Gap Podcast once again. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so great to be back with you again. My name is Bogus Noog, the humble host of this podcast. And with me is my co-host, the opposite of humility. Yeah, yeah, though, this is being brute. Wow. Again, once again, wow. Wapening, wapening, being brute. What's going on with you, my friends? Bogus, let me be very excitement in this. Yes, tell me, please. Episode number 20. Oh, yes, it is 20. In the year 2020. Oh my God, round numbers. Going by how the year went. It is a sure shot disastrous episode. This one you say? Yeah, because it is also 20. Oh, that sounds like you're writing that on the wall there. Absolutely. Scribbling also. Yeah. Yeah. It should be scribbling on the wall, actually, because if anybody is writing anything on a wall, mm-hmm. he's definitely in a hurry. Right? So For he's, sure. He's basically like, he must be scribbling it fast and running away. Because I know. Because it's vandalism, right? Writing on the wall is like vandalism. Bro, I could not agree more with you on this. Because take a look at this wall next to us. And what do you see written and scribbled on it? I see our email is mindthygap at gmail.com. Whoa, yeah, I couldn't make out that handwriting. Yeah. Which and hey, 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 check this out. Instagram uh-huh. at underscore thigh gap. Wow. And Twitter, it says here, it's at thigh gap. At thigh gap. Oh my God. And what is written in the bo- in the bottom? Facebook? Yeah, but who cares about that anyways? thigh gap it is. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's, uh, that's written by the same guy. Yeah, but that means that our listeners are dear, dearest favorite listeners yeah can actually get in touch with us and let us know anything you know absolutely anything just they say want... hi for starters how's, exactly how's you can say hi it's free hello different ways of greetings yeah in your own language also because hey we are in about 150 countries man um yeah actually, 150 yeah. countries that, that's, that's a lot a, of countries with great number of countries comes great um number of languages desire for emails through that. And communication. That. Absolutely. I completely forth you. Mm. Quite an interesting uh, topic we've picked today for ourselves, bro. would you say? Yeah, uh, I think uh, we went a little, we became a little overconfident, but uh, mm-hmm. hey, that's how we are. Yeah, I mean, that's how you are. I kind of just tag along. And if it works out well, I'll, I'm there to share the credit. If it doesn't work out well, I know who to blame. It's a... Okay. Uh, it's a system that works for me. Correct. But I want to just make one small change in the uh-huh. system. Bokus, never openly tell my strengths in the podcast. That's not your strength. That is my strength. You honestly think I would compliment you in this podcast? You Like, why would you? Because even? that is your weakness. Your weakness is you can't stop yourself but to appreciate my strengths. Yeah, we have 19 episodes of evidence behind us. And we have future to the contrary. 700 episodes of evidence mm-hmm. where you make that mistake again and again. 
Yeah, you say 700, but, uh, you know, that number seems small for a Thigh Gap podcast and marathon undertaking that we have. No, we have a lot more evidences, but 700 yeah. episodes of evidence is enough, I feel. That's enough to make a point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, good enough for, a, what do they call those, fast quotes? Fast quotes, yeah. 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 So, coming back to the topic again, it's quite curious or interesting to even begin to describe this because this is another thing that I have not heard anyone else talk about, which is, of course, why people come to the Thigh Gap Podcast. Exactly, because we talk stuff that nobody else bothers to even like. Yeah, it doesn't even register for them. Yeah. It's like, like water under the bridge. Yeah. But writing on the wall, mm -hmm. the topic mm -hmm. of today's episode, uh, genuinely, even before we went deep into it, mm -hmm. the very first look of, uh, when I first heard that yeah. this was a concept, yeah. kind of really, really kind of uh, excited me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it so happens you don't know something. Right. And then you get to know something new. And right. you start seeing it everywhere. And you also remember how you've been seeing it um, yeah, yeah. all your life. It's like a blast from the past. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you came across this phrase, now as the topic for the podcast, did it ring any bells from your past? Like, did it connect you to something that, yeah. oh, I've kind of already... I mean, a lot of emotional stuff, uh, to be honest. Very let's, personal let's stuff. Not, let's not go there at all. No, now that you asked the question, Bogus, okay. I, I definitely want to give... Uh, couple of examples which kind of directly relate to the phrase right uh, I, I, in my childhood especially mm -hmm. right whenever i used to watch a, a cricket match in the dd channel yeah ravi shastri always kept saying the writing was always on the wall with those kind of shots it was obvious that you know the batsman would get out and i always thought like oh, what what the hell he means by it? maybe he's just posh english mm -hmm. that's a way of saying oh you could see it coming types yeah 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 right yeah uh, but i really never bothered but about trying to find out what it actually means but that's not the wrong inference that you took from that it is kind of it means that what came from Ravi Shastri, so it's hard to believe that. That is where you kind of ruined this uh, episode. <laughs> right off the start, it, it went it, downhill. When anything comes from Ravi Shastri, you know, you can't really take it seriously. You okay. know what I'm saying? And Lakshmi, Lakshman Shiva Ramakrishnan. These two guys, I don't take anything seriously. Right, does, like, he, does he also say riding on the wall? No, but anything he generally says uh -huh. <laughs> in the context of cricket, <laughs> mostly, I don't take him seriously. Because every single thing he says, the mm. exact opposite happens in the actual match. Mm. I remember he told that Dravid would never think of stepping out of the crease to loft the ball over long off or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Because Dravid is that kind of a player. And it's a very smart move by the captain mm -hmm. to put like a mid-off and a mid-on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the next ball, Dravid comes out of the crease, like <laughs> whoops the ball like over the mid-off. Mm -hmm. And Lakshman Shivarab Krishnan is like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> so, so yeah, I digress. So many as gems. Usual. So many gems. Um, but yeah, the writing on the wall is is a social phenomenon, if I can call it that. That I've personally always found fascinating um, from, I think, my adolescent years uh, when I started reading a little bit of history and yeah. I came across this term mm -hmm. and the context in which it was used. And let's first of all look, uh, look into the meaning of it. Okay. You know, like our own meaning. You already gave your meaning, which is not wrong. 
unfortunately it came from ravi shastri but yeah <laughs> that's a stain we cannot rub off our podcast <laughs> i've been scarred multiple ways now you've scarred us yeah, yeah yeah i i do my bit for the society i didn't sign up for this scarring <laughs> yeah. i did not sign up for that um uh, but yeah the meaning is kind of that which is it's a sign of doom it's a sign of impending doom that cannot be averted cannot be ignored cannot be avoided it is going to happen and in many cases or in history at least you have examples where people were warned of such a thing uh, going to happen and yeah. whether they tried to change their fate or not it didn't seem to matter it ultimately did happen it's like it's almost like permanent it is like a you can take it for granted it's going yeah, to happen it's going to happen yeah it's like a, f- a bygone uh, what what foregone conclusion what is sorry. more fascinating for me bogus yeah. is whenever you speak about this historical thing yeah, yeah. right it kind of makes me imagine that you were the only guy mm. who was awake in your history class where everybody else slept off because you have so much of unnecessary knowledge of these things it just bamboozles me oh my god to, to like you know imagine that how did this guy stay awake uh-huh. in all his history classes i didn't i did not stay awake even in a single class all of this was out of my own interest later that i started reading so up. so basically whoever were your friends were always asleep when they were talking to you what yeah i mean like you keep talk- if this is the kind of things that interest you uh-huh. history bit yeah i can only pity no oddly friends. enough you know what this is the first time i'm actually talking about this i have never discussed this or not that it's like a secret or anything but it's just one of those small subtle things that you sometimes notice and you just don't end up talking or discussing you keep it with it to anyone. yourself it's like a dark I never really, secret no i never really consciously kept it to myself also uh but when we now that we're doing this podcast yeah you and i we think about you know stuff that we could talk about in a particular episode and when i was digging up in my mental what is that called palace the mind palace my mind palace which in your case must be a mind hut the rooms oh, yeah, yeah. i think yours is like a mind hut i have like a mind palaces but yeah i get what you're saying so yeah. you are trying to the difference me. between you and me bro is that you have a mind palace yeah i have a mind hut yeah but my palace is underground on top above the surface you only yeah. see the hut correct correct whatever kind of floats your boat yeah okay that's what we'll, floats my boat that's my job i let you live that life Right. That's it. So it's okay. I get it. Mm. So you were digging deep and you got to say like hey this is an interesting thing mm. which is out there but nobody kind of like No no no. I think a lot of people are aware. No in the sense but nobody talks out. Yeah, right? it's nobody not nobody voices it. I've never come across this as a topic of discussion anywhere um so far and I find it odd a bit curious but that's the reason why I wanted to dwell more about it is it yeah like go in on this topic and see what we make of it as an episode <laughs> so yeah yeah whatever comes <laughs> of it you know yeah i mean like so that's basically the meaning of the word uh, uh the writing the on the wall the phrase sorry yeah. correct the phrase is either used as a sign of impending doom that cannot be avoided or it's also used in the revolutionary context which is you know popular revolutions that have happened throughout history mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that is where this phrase takes a more literal manifestation it takes a more literal form in the sense that 
there is literally something written on the wall you know like the obvious prediction or is it like no it's the mood of the people okay the, you know the uh, unheard voice the silent majority whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but ultimately it ends up uh, manifesting itself on a wall as a sign of protest or something i will get into that okay but oh, okay. these we are have the time two, for that oh yeah these are the two contexts that at least i know of this word uh, this phrase right being used as commonly and uh, if you want to look at the origins of where this phrase started i'm not really sure if we have the right story but according to the internet of course um the bible yeah it's uh, supposed to be a biblical story oh seriously i yeah. i was i was referring to the internet as a bible but yeah okay yeah <laughs> synchronicity <laughs> so it's actually a biblical story of this uh, great king okay uh, like any other biblical story it starts with the great king yeah except this guy is like uh, is not that great a king like he's not the og you know he's not the, the original, original gangster, gangster yeah okay of babylon okay. so there was another guy his father who okay. was the actual og of babylon yeah this guy came after him the boss man yeah and so he is kind of living under his shadow a little bit living on past glory kind of a king is it yeah but also he has his own like the you okay. know he is the king basically right. he is the boss man so the story goes that after the first temple was raided huh the temple of solomon the first temple so by in, this king or some other king by uh the, this king okay oh this guy basically went and raided here yeah yeah the temple of solomon which is in jerusalem okay you know so which is like the holy of holies mm-hmm. for the jews so after this king supposedly raided the first temple of solomon he was uh, arranging a big feast mm-hmm. in celebration and so he had a lot of people uh invited to that and sometimes to show your power and cloud you know in history how they used to invite their neighboring kingdoms Correct. and rivals and right. etc as well and at this uh, mega feast this king saw a vision right in front of him that he just saw a hand appear and scribble something on the wall see yeah they always scribble yeah that's what i was saying vandalism vandalism exactly graffiti yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he saw this hand appear and scribble three words on the wall mm-hmm. but he had no clue what those meant because they were written in ancient aramaic yeah language and so he had no clue and he spread word he sent out word that anyone who comes and deciphers this for me uh, i'll shower you with wealth and blah 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 you ask you name it yeah you name it. it you know i'm the king yeah so he sent that word out no one comes along then his wife the queen suggests that why don't you call daniel Now Daniel is a character the James Bond. No, uh, well. <laughs> no. Daniel is one of the characters who uh he has his name as the chapter and verse in the Old Testament like one of the guys like Mark okay. chapter 5. Yeah, yeah, so Daniel okay. is one of those. Oh, okay. Like this Daniel ta- chapter 5 verse 2 all that stuff. So Daniel comes along, he sees those words and uh the king says the same thing the same offer listen you translate this you got everything you yeah. want and th- then daniel just rejects the offer says you don't give me anything i don't want anything for this Enough. i will still translate this for you yeah but you should be able to digest it and you should be able to take it right what this is saying 
Oh, so he already got what the meaning yeah. writing is. Yeah, he oh, saw okay. it and he knew. Okay. And uh, he said, I will tell it to you for free. Yeah. But you got to be, you got to have the balls to take it. Got yeah. it. He's like, okay, fine, shoot. So this guy says the first word means that even though your father who was arrogant and God struck him down, hmm. this is the Tower of Babel right, story. Right. So this is that king yeah. who built the Tower of so even though uh, God struck your father down mm. in his arrogance, your father at least accepted and understood his place right. and submitted in the end. You are not that type. Mm. You still are arrogant. You still are flawed. Yeah. That is the first wild. word. Yeah. That is the first word. The second word says, God has taken the balance of your worth or the balance of you the karma. Yeah. And has ultimately in the end found you to be wanting. That's the second word. Got it. And the third word in Aramaic meant your end is pretty much decided. Decided. It's on the it's on its way. You're not going to be around for very long. Mm-hmm. You're done. And uh, there's no changing it, basically. And so which language was this written? Aramaic. Aramaic. Yeah. I don't even know where it belongs. Actually, even I don't know. But I think uh, think Sumeria, Babylon, that Middle Eastern, uh, that block, Mesopotamia, Sumeria, Babylon, Assyria, which is Syria now. Okay. Like that stretch. Okay. Somewhere yeah. in that, the, one of the older languages was Aramaic. Okay. So, he says, these are the three words. Now you deal with it, basically. And our man checks out. So the king actually takes, uh, oh no, he doesn't check out. Daniel says this and the king takes Daniel's words very seriously. And that night itself, he declares that Daniel will become the third emperor of his kingdom. You know, like what happened? Who is the second emperor? I don't know. The story doesn't mention that. Okay. So what? Doesn't even make it sense. sounds like the king said that you will share a part of the kingdom. Oh, okay. Like that. Like okay. I'll give you. You know, I'll divide the kingdom into three parts. And I'll give you a part. Oh, and this king was doing that to curry the favor of God. Mm-hmm. He thought that if I... Daniel is God's chosen right. whatever. Right. One of God's chosen people. So if I treat him well, then maybe I'll be like, able to change yeah. my fate. Right. So he makes that offer to Daniel. And that very night he's assassinated by his rival. Oh, sorry. The second uh, thing, by the way, that God says to this guy is that your kingdom is soon going to be divided in by into Pleads, which is a nearby neighboring mm-hmm. area, and Persia. Okay. So what is your kingdom today is going to be split between these two. Okay. And so that very night, after he makes that offer to Daniel, hmm. this guy is assassinated, and uh, his kingdom gets split. Persia and Medes, the other way. So this is Sweet where, Lord. you know, that story comes from. The oh. writing on the wall. God. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, uh, first of all, that escalated really fast. Yeah, for, for the seriously. King. I mean, overnight, that's some really... Imagine, right? Getting yeah. prophecy yeah, and not even like seven days, yeah, not even like no, one year. Yeah, no theatrics. Yeah. It's just like John Wick kind of stuff. Like yeah. Pure business. Like, why did you have to prophesy in the first yeah, place? Just, just do it. <laughs> just be done with yeah, it. Yeah, you know? get it done. Yeah. But I, that's the interesting story. So that's where the whole concept of writing on a wall came, is it? The phrase, yeah. Okay. So that was the first time it was ever mentioned. According to or, the internet. Or yeah. was it like from this instance, 
I mean, writing on the wall got its meaning. Yeah, from this instance, it got its got meaning it. and its usage. Oh, got it. In the in the revolutionary sense, at least, or no, in the sense of impending doom, kind of thing. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that was a boring story, Bogus, to start off with. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was never, uh, I never had any interest for history. Uh, this particular story actually assured me that mm. it's not a very interesting story. Right. And why I don't have any, you know, affinity mm-hmm. towards history. Mm-hmm. But having said that, yeah, I have a, I have something to put on the table. Shoot. As Thigh Gap Podcast, we always, always give people something to ponder about. Mm. Also laugh about. Let's not forget we are a comedy podcast. La- don't state the obvious. Yes, yes. Okay, and don't correct my <laughs> sentences. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Yes. Now, okay, so basically what my question is, mm-hmm. is what is the takeaway, you know, for a person? Right who understands this concept, you know? Right. I mean, just to give you an example. Um, yeah. F- for instance, phrases always give you something to look forward for, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, fortune favors the brave yeah. is, a se- sent- like, is a phrase that is there. God knows where it came from, whatever. Yeah. But it kind of gives you a life lesson kind of a thing, right? It's like you got to take risks so that if you want to really win in your journey or you want to succeed in your journey. True. Right? True. So there is a certain practicality of that phrase. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense and it is more, it becomes more colloquial usage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like anybody can implement that in their day-to-day life and say like, hey, this part uh, of the day, I'm going to kind of be a little more bold about okay, my Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're right? saying. Don't okay, okay me. No, okay. no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting So, when, when somebody says, hey, writing on the wall is mm-hmm. a very serious issue, man, mm. right? Then, what am I supposed to get out of it? Like, am I supposed to, like, look out for what is the writing on the wall for me? Or is there another way, a metaphoric sense of how do you take it? Or, uh, you know, how do you, lo- how do you keep an ear to the ground about it? Or stuff like that. I mean, like, I'm genuinely lost there. No, I mean, and I need. There's a very good reason, I think, because up until that this I'm point, genuinely lost. Yeah, like, yeah, because up until this point, I only thought of it in the in the sense that, oh, this is a phenomenon that I was always curious about or interested about, mm-hmm. but I never thought it of it the way that you put it, which is, even if you explain it to someone, like how we went into the meaning of yeah. it. Yeah. Now what? Like, okay, I got it. Yeah, it's what? like A for apple. Right, apple is a fruit. Right, beautiful. <laughs> like it's the most inconsequential information to me. Yeah, until and unless I actually eat an apple and I want to ask for an apple. Right, right. So, yeah, the question is, what is the point of even talking about this? I think that is the key question that we can sort of unpack now, which is what I think. The most fascinating thing about this phenomenon is that in the impending doom sense, you know, it's a pattern which has repeated through history, multiple instances. And there are a few examples that we will go into. But in the other sense, the revolutionary sense, uh, where it's literal writing on the wall, that also has repeated through history. And for me, anything that we seem to repeat when there's a pattern, you know, it kind of piques my interest. interest. Yeah, it intrigues. I get very intrigued by that because 
it shows it tells it's saying something about us that maybe we are not paying as close attention to as we should but be is it okay. is it like an action that is supposed to be done or is it like a warning that is supposed to be taken like in what context do you do you you know kind of look at it yeah like am i supposed to be the guy who writes it on the wall yeah or am i supposed to be the guy who reads it off the wall for somebody who's written it and kind of deduct that oh this is where things are going to go towards so i better be you know careful or whatever i don't know i don't know i, mean, I don't know it's a smart question i don't have the answer fuck bro you're killing it with the questions oh i know bro no really see, honestly these are amazing questions actually because it's forcing me to episode think. 20 of 2020 i told you we are leading to disaster <laughs> When I start asking smart questions, that's the writing on the oh wall. Oh my God, <laughs> this is the writing on the wall, yeah. <laughs> that's it, guys. Uh, you can't have a better sign, a clearer sign of the apocalypse <laughs> that is upon us. Yeah. Brute is asking smart questions. Yeah, yeah. No, but coming back to that. Um, I think the answer is both. And it is situational, which is depending on, depending on which situation you find yourself in, you're either the one writing on the wall Yeah or you're the one who is looking at the writing on the wall. Yeah. You know it is directed at you. Exactly. And in future brood if you become a big powerful guy you know yeah you will be like, on the other end receiving end of it. Well like, I'm reading you're reading writings. the writing on the wall. True yeah, that. Yeah. True that. So what I mean by that is in when in look at it and as the warning or the impending sense of doom kind of thing that is where you are at the receiving end of it you see these warning signs from the universe in some way or the other they show up in front of you but either you're too full of yourself or you're blind or you're blind willfully blind to what is right under your nose and right. you don't pick up the signs and you just walk to your doom because the paradox of uh, the catch 22 about this is yeah right say there is a writing on the wall for you right it essentially tells you only one thing right which is do it's now or it's 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 a matter of you know tomorrow or day after this is where it's going right yeah. this is this is your your end is near essentially yeah. and you can't do anything to like avert it or this thing but it's just like a customary warning to you cautionary yeah. warning to you that yeah. uh, do whatever you want because it's a matter of time before you kind of your chapter is closed yeah so that's all you can get out of it so there's not much you can do when you are on the receiving end correct no actually it's not always about your doom in the sense not your end but it could be a major loss it could be like a major major setback you know like something that you were really banking on but the way you were behaving the way you were acting if that was leading you towards a path of failure and there if there are warning signs that pop up and you ignore them yeah then it's like how yeah. what happened to bruce almighty Have you seen that movie Bruce Almighty where he's driving in the night yeah. just before he meets God yeah, yeah. in the car crash? Yeah. Like he keeps seeing this don't do it exactly. danger or exactly. all that things. Right? Exactly. Got it. Got exactly. it. Exactly. Now that is clear. So at least we know that you have to it's almost like keeping an ear to the ground, you know? Yeah, eyes open. Eyes open. Yeah. Keep your eyes open, be on your feet, whatever. All yeah, that yeah. things kind of compound to writing on the wall. Mm. Right? So that is clear. Now the other part of the question, if you have to write on the wall, yeah. why do you have to write on the wall? So what will push you to the point where 
you know you are you have actually taken the ownership of being the one mm. to write on the wall because i am assuming yeah whoever writes on the wall doesn't get any credit technically no nope. right no nope. <laughs> like there is it's always an anonymity yeah. most of the time yeah so why how do you know that you are the one who's supposed to write how do you know you are the chosen one mm. how do you know you are uh, you are the one i feel that it is such a moment of extreme humility and selflessness that you don't even bother that you get the credit for doing something like that all you care about is that it has some effect or you're just rebelling against um your own powerlessness but if if it is for a cause it makes sense yeah so let, let me set the context okay so in this literal sense the revolutionary context how it works is usually there is a tyranny or an oppressor or some kind of a dictator you know that's how it happened in the past right right and if the common man is trying to rise up against this power it is always not an easy task it is a extremely uphill task for a common man to unite with other people and then overtake or overpower the power structure correct, right correct so or break the wheel or break the wheel yeah, yeah. and so when they are in that situation there's always that one spark which lights the fire you know the the God, mut- yeah, right. the mutiny of 1857 Hmm. one spark right that just kick started everything right as so, if i know what happened in 1857 mangal pande oh okay yeah, yeah. say it like that yeah yeah mangal yeah. pande incident because 1857 mm. a lot of things happened across the world oh boy your grandfather was born yeah my grandfather my great grandfather was he took his uh, first walk in the park so lot of like historical moments got it apologies for a confusing it's okay it's okay yeah rich legacy family history bro uh but uh kind of again you threw me <laughs> off track what was i saying you said like yeah, like 1857 mutiny it oh, all yeah, you yeah. need is a spark yeah all you need is a spark that's how is it has always worked right and so what's happening in that moment is people or the common man feels powerless against this power structure and they are being suppressed by this power structure and they have no place to vent out their frustration vent out their true emotion like unfiltered you know the peace of their mind right and so they exercise their power in this way which is they just go scribble it on a wall you know now the I, problem i let me be the devil's advocate sure in today's day and age yeah that seems to be like a power which can be easily misused for me it is like the borderline uh, concept of freedom of speech mm-hmm. you know i mean i i for one in you know subjectively think the concept of freedom of speech is extremely misunderstood yeah right i mean it it kind of creates a lot of polarization in in ideas or how the other person should take it or so many things it has there's, too many variables to it which yeah there's also quite a lot of gray area a lot of gray that, area yeah. right i mean legally if you go to see also yeah. it's a simple meaning yes but it's a much difficult or a much complex thing in a practical sense exactly right? the application is application very is very complex so you really don't know as to how do you exercise that power they say that you have that power of freedom of speech yeah. so go for it like you know leverage it yeah nobody and every time somebody tries to leverage it right they get like a huge backlash like, oh just because you have freedom of speech you can't just say everything and anything yeah, yeah. because if that is the case or if anybody says that yeah if there is certain oppression or if you have 
if you go to the point of helplessness mm. or there is no other option for you mm. then you got to take up the ownership take that accountability and put the writing on the wall okay right correct me if i'm wrong if i if i've gotten slightly, it wrong slightly slightly because i didn't finish what i was saying uh i think if you if you just let me finish i think it could like the pieces will fall in place okay finish. which is someone or the other feels pushed to a point where they feel compelled to express themselves got it in that way right you know and it's not very different from the uh, compulsion that the cave painters felt to draw wild animals to paint wild animals on cave walls you know it's like th- there was no reason for them to express themselves artistically in that way but there's a lot of examples there's caves in france there's but, in bhopal there's bhimbetka caves where you find all of these drawings you know yeah but were they were they warnings of doom no no those were not warnings of doom so it doesn't fit the bill i'm right? just talking about the feeling of the compulsion that you feel like you need to do it okay you know and what happens is when one person takes that initiative and puts their heart out in that way at least what's happened in the past hmm. is that tends to have like this domino effect where either other people who see that depends on how potent the words are of course you know if the words are really potent and powerful then the other common people that read it also get inspired and then there's a movement that starts because of that the other flip side of it is when the oppressor or the tyrant comes across this hmm. he does not know who to punish you know he because it's completely anonymous you know no one's taking responsibility for it so the sentiment has been shared someone's calling him a dickhead out in the open but he does not know who did it and he cannot punish anyone so there is a moment where the power dynamic is shifted you know the powerless now have some amount of power over the the oppressor where the oppressor is kind of powerless in the sense that they've already said their piece but now i can't i don't know who to punish i don't know who said it but that is vandalism too <laughs> I mean, it is but in a revolution like, you know that ha- that happens but still can't okay fair enough. yeah continue yeah so what i was saying was this is where in the his- in history also it has played out this way where there are examples of impending doom where you see time and again people ignoring warnings and walking to their either destruction or a major setback or you have other examples where revolutions were created and movements were formed because that one person with no expectation of outcome or no expectation of reward or punishment nothing just for the pure sake of expression exercises their power to express exactly what they feel in their heart and because of that is so true and so raw it catches like wildfire with other people and they identify with it and they relate with it it would have been extremely hard possibly for that person to call everyone and tell them you know that in in those cases usually the mob kills you yeah <laughs> you know but if you write it on the wall even they don't know who wrote it so they'll just be purely reacting to the emotion itself and in it has a lot of power because of that and i think in this way this is the most closest to memes that we see today because memes yeah. also they're so powerful and governments are trying to crack down on memes uk has tried it us has tried it india will try it you know when the memes get 
but india can't. dank enough i think memes are being oh no in india has already done it i think so a few yeah. people have gone yeah. to, gotten into trouble yeah i more than memes i think those newspaper illustrations if i'm not wrong yeah those those ones which kind of took a dig on the you know the incompetence of governments or systems yeah 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 when anybody who took a dig on the incompetence part yeah. i think they were always kind of silenced yeah and also you know I mean. certain governments who are more prickly yeah you know we we know those governments yeah. uh, certain state governments yeah. uh, they are well aware of them yeah and in the recent parts there have been examples where i think people have gotten into trouble just for sharing memes and they were kind of reverse tracked as yeah. to where that meme where came, that from, came from and then catch the guy yeah See, so why that reaction i think because it has that power because this person memes actually the culture of memetics yeah unspoken culture is you should never take credit for it you create a meme you want to create but mm-hmm. you should never put your name your logo nothing you should just share it with the internet and you should let it have a life of its own so how will you share it with the internet without you having your you know i mean it's easy I to mean, track te- technical know how no there is a way you can scramble okay. you can encrypt uh, okay so you have to learn a lot more stuff guys it's not that <laughs> a lot as well yeah but i'm just i was just trying to draw a parallel between no i get it and that's exactly and, where i was going to right yeah. as in like in how do you exercise that power mm. because it's see the potent there is no ceiling to to the effect of this yeah. act right yeah. like you really don't know to what extent it goes yeah you basically are telling you know writing on the wall back in the day was the form of viral information right yeah. information spreading virally yeah, yeah, right yeah. everybody like the whole town goes to that one wall and like what is this written yeah so so today the virality of information mm. has its own nature right mm. it has its own behavior mm. and nobody seem to seem at least a common man doesn't seems to understand how this virality comes into the picture yeah nobody pre- can predict it nobody can like structure it or like plan it i mean everybody talks about oh you can put in so much of money market it and then things might go viral mm. but no that has a shelf life whatever goes viral organically mm. the the say so is the the stuff that goes the most viral mm. is generally the stuff which is genuinely organic right yeah so so nobody quite knows the potential of this particular tool right uh, or the nature of how it grows or where it spreads or even the danger or even the danger the consequences yeah sometimes nobody knows the consequence it could be a revolution it could be a riot correct so my question or my whole you know debate surrounds around that point as to who will write on the wall mm. why should he write on the wall mm-hmm. and how will he know or that individual know mm. that he is the one who is supposed to write on the wall right and that is like i mean that's where my whole you know the buck stops for me there because when everybody starts believing that hey i am the chosen one who is supposed to write on the wall right and with the different avenues that we have today right to like put out an anonymous random statement mm. saying that whatever like ganguly ye hai or say shahrukh khan ye hai or whatever yeah right the value of the shahrukh khan uh, ye hai was a writing on the wall uh, maybe funny enough <laughs> yeah. yeah so so you know the value of that particular act yeah. gets diluted right true and that is a problem that we face today that a lot of genuine things which need the deserved concern mm. go lost because there's so much 
so many other things that are being written about or or being spoken about yeah right where when the actual thing hits you you really don't know how to address that yeah right and and that's because of this over exposure to absolutely random things yeah. which are given unnecessary importance yeah. right somebody's some celebrity's dog like went to the vet mm. and that's like a very important news right. and you are like and unfortunately you are forced to give it the equal importance one way or the other yeah right you go out and say like do you know what nonsense came out on the news this is the nonsense mm. and suddenly we are talking about it for 20 minutes yeah right and then there is a genuine news that follows it say like five farmers died and you don't you don't seem to bother about it because you invested that 20 minutes in something which is nonsense yep so how do you solve that problem i mean i think that's where the biggest problem is in identifying the writings on the wall today because you don't know which one to like really what do you where do you keep your eyes open what on what do you put your eyes on you seeing the depth in that question bogus i think it's asking a question that is that needs an answer for a different episode probably because it's <laughs> so we have suddenly figured out there are more episodes that we can <laughs> like <laughs> no because this question is something different it is not about the writing on the wall itself it is more about there is so much writing now how do you know like which to focus on that's your that's what you're asking which is the actual og yeah but the ogs of that's where the and this is going back to what you said no but this is the second part of the question yeah yeah but this is going back to what you said that's where the power comes because the power some some of the power lies in the unpredictability of it the virality like you said mm-hmm. cannot be predicted human consciousness uh, like the common consciousness mm-hmm. cannot be predicted we can never say what will suddenly become viral and what cannot become viral no matter how many people try to study it as they are doing it now you will not be able to unless you i guess look at it more from a human or a common consciousness kind of an angle yeah but that's too complicated for a it's too complicated right? it is too unpredictable it is too abstract yeah because each and every person by themselves is such a variable now you get all these people together right you're dealing with variables beyond your scope of you know calculation or imagination got it is what i feel and that's the reason why it becomes so tough to predict it but could you could you kind of uh, enlighten us mm. with you do did you have any personal experiences of writing on the wall like you did you come across something where so that you know i i can probably relate to it because i currently don't my my like i said mm. my relation to writing on the wall was ravi shastri right which leads me to nowhere <laughs> right but you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, can yeah. you share something yeah or, we, we do have a few examples actually very interesting So one personal story that I remember was the first time I went to Dharamshala in Himachal and the first time I visited this Tibetan museum which chronicled the history of Tibet pictures for everything and uh, what happened during the invasion of Tibet how the Dalai Lama escaped um the invasion and basically came to india with the help of um a few of the tibetan militia right all of that story was in the museum and it's a very hard hitting experience at museum and uh, i was just think and you also get to watch a movie a documentary uh-huh. uh where you see uh how it was in tibetans 
the invasion, some of the clips that were leaked out of the invasion, etc. So it, it is a very hard hitting documentary. After that, I came out, I grabbed a snack and I was just walking around Dharamshala casually just to see the place. And I I was walking by this house where uh, it was a normal independent house. The car, the garage uh, shutter was shut. It was rolled down. Okay. And the entire shutter, right? They, it was a painting. Big blocky words. Free Tibet. Whoa. That's it. And I just walked past it. I stopped for a bit. I took a picture because it immediately reminded me of the writing of the wall. And what I noticed in Dharamshala was how the Tibetan refugees were consciously working and putting efforts to keep their culture alive. And uh, they have their own version of who the next Dalai Lama should be. Right. And, you know, China has a puppet uh, in place uh-huh. where they say that guy should be the next Dalai Lama. Uh-huh. These people are opposed to it, obviously. So when I think about that instance where I saw free Tibet in such big letters, and now I think about what's going on in the world where the situation we are in with China, um, the geopolitical situation that's going around where Taiwan is getting more and more play in the international uh, politics, more, more and more recognition. Uh, by countries who never recognize them. Unfortunately, yeah. India has still not officially recognized Taiwan as a country. But I just feel that it is going in that direction now. And China, they can't do anything to stop it. I mean, this is an impending... I mean, this is a warning for... It has been for a while. Got and it. especially the Tibetan soldiers yeah. that helped in conquering those strategic heights. Yeah, That just is the icing on the cake. You know, it's like a story... Like, it's an amazing plot point that you would have weaved into an epic story. Right. Where the Tibetans who came to India as refugees volunteered to be in the army. Hmm. And there has been generations of them hmm. fighting. Been participating. Yeah, helping out, uh, fighting the with the Indian army and lending their expertise in high altitude uh, situations where everyone finds it extremely tough. Right. But these guys are champs. Right. You know? Because they're genetically engineered for those kind of... Yeah, it's just evolution. Yeah. yeah, you know. And these kind of things coming back and as a serving to China, kind of like an owning China kind of thing. Right. You just feel the writing is on the wall. You know, it's not going to be that long that the matter of Tibet is going to be taken up by everyone. It is already being mentioned a little bit, but it could be a lot more. I mean, it's just catching fire. It is catching fire for sure. And thank God, finally. The other part of the question, which is how does someone identify, you know, the writing on the wall or sign of things to come, etc. Yeah. It is extremely difficult without training or improving your own intuition first. And how do you improve your intuition? (laughs) Maybe episode 21 (laughs) of Thai Gap Podcast is how you, uh, we go into how you improve your intuition. This is what happens, guys. Uh, let me speak to the audience directly. Please. Guys, if you want to learn the art of plugging in, this is how you do it. The whole build-up, right? Smooth it's as butter. Smooth criminal, guys. Smooth criminal. That's a very smooth plug-in. And all, for all you guys who are the upcoming artists mm. who want to be a part of this podcast as the third wheel, mm. that's how we call them. Yeah. You know, this is how we would plug you in. Yeah. Smooth. 
Very smoothly. Sometimes the audience would not even know that you are here, but still you are here. Right. That is the thigh gap experience, you know. Uh, but again, I lost track of what we were <laughs> talking about before. No, you were saying. Oh yeah, intuition. Intuition. Yeah. Without how do you identify a writing on the wall? Yeah, without developing a strong sense of intuition, it's extremely tough to read the signs. or make or observe patterns that are not obviously related on the surface but if you think about it you can you begin to see the connecting threads so let's put that one aside because it needs intuition to actually see the writing on the wall but if you look at the other sense where in the other context where you are the one doing the writing in that situation I don't think like you said it is not like am I the chosen one to write this there is no question or point of a chosen one at all there is no exalted position you know it is done in complete honesty and complete humility almost with no expectation of anything to happen mm-hmm. you're just doing it because you feel it strongly mm-hmm. and that's why you feel like you have to put it out there mm-hmm. and that's why you're putting it out there now what happens after that is completely out of your control you know the universe kind of deals with it in its own way you all you have to do is light the match all you have to do is provide the spark yeah got it and got it there that i can do a lot i can light a lot of matches yeah there if the, if there's a follow up question ki how do i know if i should be the guy if you don't feel it from inside you like if you don't feel compelled then don't do it don't do it don't do it you know because we all have our roles even in a revolution there's always leaders and there's always followers there's always instigators and there's always people that tag provocators along. yeah and provocators also yeah. there's also those kind of people yeah. so we all have our roles to play so you figure out what kind of a person you are and how do you figure out what kind of a person you are measure of man a two part <laughs> special <laughs> that we did yeah as in a thigh gap podcast check out those two episodes that's, yeah, that's how you figure out figure yourself out all in all is a very complicated thing it's not as simple as it sounds yeah writing on the wall is probably you know uh it's for the trained eye as you Absolutely. maybe you can say that yes right yes there was an interesting story that i once heard uh the nizam of hyderabad yeah was i don't know if a lot of people know he was essentially like a accountant for moguls Mm. who was responsible for the territory of deccan you mean before he became the nizam before he became like the nizam right, right? right. Uh, but he was always sought after as one of the smartest guys in administrator. the mughal administrator yeah, yeah. in the mughal mm-hmm. you know ministry mm-hmm. so the story goes that uh, uh, as he was out in one of his uh, hunting trips or something like that mm-hmm. and he comes across his sadhu mm-hmm. um who 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 was going around begging arms mm. and uh, he goes to nizam and he's like you know i want to if you can give me some arms mm. so nizam invited into his like he's so nizam is known for his hospitality mm. right he never likes uh, a guest to be uh, turned not back. turned back right. turned out yeah, turned yeah. down or whatever yeah. so he he invites the sadhu like to his banquet or something like that and sadhu refuses like no i can't accept that because of my you know penance or whatever right so what happens is so finally the sadhu cuts a deal with uh, nizam okay and he says like okay how much ever you eat we we'll, let's eat together mm. and whatever you eat is what i'll eat 
and he was like okay fair enough mm. so so what happens is they end up eating seven chapatis right the yeah. nizam eats seven chapatis and he's like that's it i can't eat any more mm. and the sadhu obliges and he is like okay fine i'll stop eating too uh now in a return for this favor of mm. you giving me this uh food mm. uh what i i can prophesize what happens to your family with okay. my knowledge and my powers or whatever okay so what the sadhu told was that the nizam family mm. will reach the pinnacle of prosperity mm. right in wealth in in power, what power influence. everything yeah, yeah yeah right you name it they'll get it yeah but that's only for seven generations so for seven generations oh. your family will prosper because of the seven rotis seven rotis that he ate oh. right so it's some kind of i i mean that part is a little gray i don't really remember correctly mm. as to whether that was an offer to Niz- to nizam or whether that was a prophecy mm-hmm. uh but the, the the story goes that he prophesizes that for seven generations your family will prosper and that's that right after that you will go back to rags oh so so that is how your family will prosper and blah 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 so nizam was like great this is he's seven generations is a long time right right so he's like thanks a lot i'm for telling this and all but uh whatever i'm doing this out of you know my pleasure right. for my pleasure or whatever so right. no issues and it so happens if you look at it uh-huh. the last famous nizam the usman ali khan uh-huh. was the was the guy who actually held the title of nizam okay. after that they kind of what the hyderabad state was taken over by the indian right. government right, right. and all that and right. that was the last nizam that was there uh oh and also what the sadhu told was that it will be the downfall also will be because of his own men or oh. his own people okay rather. okay and it, it that's how it actually happened uh-huh. his own son uh-huh. right who went to australia to study and all that uh-huh. got married to an australian girl and he came back uh-huh. and she cheated him out of all the money she saw that this guy is like a millionaire a right. billionaire right mm. so she took whatever she can mm. which was enough for i don't know how many generations for her mm. and then she left and both the sons were kind of never really gotten into the position of their father mm. right the status the status or or the power that they had right. all that they didn't experience that right, for right. some reason or the other right so so i don't know if this is this comes under the writing on the wall yeah. which happened seven generations back yeah but it was more like a prophecy yeah. Uh, yeah that they will rule for seven generations and after that it they might not have the same kind of uh they may not experience the same kind of luxury and power and prosperity mm. uh it, it's it's i don't know if it still is a gen- i don't know the credibility of the story okay but this is a story that i've heard okay let's just go with it as a story yeah it's a story it's a story um yeah we're not claiming to be experts or anything but if you look at it as a story right even in this there's a subtlety that i find very fascinating which is what prompted the sadhu in the first place to make that kind of an offer that we both will eat together yeah. one not just that how much ever you eat i will eat right. that i find even more peculiar correct correct and we could go hours and hours if we try to break into that right. but i right. just wanted to say that also i find very interesting yeah but where i find uh, writing on the wall relating to the story is that the sadhu just said his piece and walked yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> he didn't bother to cross verify his prophecy like yeah, he, he, didn't he just there. said what he had to say yeah. and he'll exit 
exited the frame. Yeah. Now this Nizam is left with this prophecy. Yeah. He must have seen in the first generation or the generation after him, he must have seen the power and the prosperity and all coming that coming. Picture, yeah. And second generation and the third generation, and this story must have passed in their family tradition. Yeah. That this happened to our yeah forefather. Yeah. And imagine the power or the weight of that prophecy that would have had on this family. generation after generation they see it coming like a ticking time bomb yeah like you to know? think about it imagine the kind of pressure for the last you know for the last generation for the last generation yeah, yeah, the seventh yeah. generation yeah. rather to face the inevitable where you already were given this information yeah. that this is the end now yeah and you're not able to do anything to change it yeah i think it's a great story because it shows the effect or the power of these of the prophecy or the words or the writing on the wall right where the person who said those words literally had no um, there was no effect on him you know the, he did nothing he just said it and he left there is no ledger for him there is yeah. no profit or loss for him he probably walked yeah. off and lived uh, and died normal on his own terms or whatever yeah, like yeah. his own this thing yeah but look at what he said look at the effect it ended up having on 6 7 generations yeah of a family that's crazy it reminds me of another example you know that i found very interesting from history you know julius caesar right uh met him couple of times not really close tall guy thin you know pointy nose yeah like very arrogant. leaves on his head oh yeah leaves on his head very yeah. arrogant uh, freaky Doesn't fashion sense freaky fashion sense never yeah. changed his clothes yeah Uh, same old blanket looked like he was wearing a skirt or something yeah uh, and a blanket for a top very weird yeah but julius caesar of course this was at the peak of his powers of the roman empire mm-hmm. under caesar and uh, this was the time surrounding when he was about to be assassinated okay okay so i read a historian's account of what was going on in rome at that point of time mm-hmm. and I don't know I can't recall who this historian was but this is what it described basically so take it with a pinch of salt okay I don't know who it was I don't know how true it is but this like is like most story. of the information we Just, reveal yeah look at it as a story don't worry about Let's the source not get too hung up yeah. about oh hey, how credible is this yeah, is this yeah. authentic no 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 that's not where you have to focus take the example for your benefit read our lips that's it so how he describes it as was first of all we already know the famous account of caesar's wife getting a premonition that he would he would be killed yeah so this was the night before he was about to meet his people brutus and all those guys brutus and co brutus and co and uh, so the night of uh, the night if it was that, a marwadi i'm sorry <laughs> if it was a marwadi if uh-huh. brutus was a marwadi uh-huh. it would have been brutus and sons <laughs> <laughs> and you know yeah the rest would follow yeah but yeah it, it was, was brutus, brutus and, and co. co brutus and got co. it got it so the night before his wife gets a dream where she basically sees his her husband yeah being killed mm-hmm. you know betrayed and so the next morning she implores him she begs him don't go yeah and she tells him also i got a dream you she, will die she heard our episode of dreams yeah that's what happened yeah that's how she knew that she had to take that dream seriously time is like a circle bro. it's like a loop <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> which we will cover in our future episode on time <laughs> on thigh gap podcast stay tuned guys but uh yeah jokes apart 
she seriously begged him not to go mm-hmm. and think about it okay you're julius caesar okay you're the head of rome yeah at the peak of its empire yeah. if you call up your friends and yeah. say guys we're not hanging out tonight yeah or today let's take a rain check right you know and then you could have your spies meanwhile investigate right. was there something to it yeah you know what were these guys doing yeah. were they disappointed when i said this yeah no but you know it hardly takes me anything to postpone an office meeting that i have to attend i just have to call and say guys you know i'm not feeling well if julius caesar was an indian yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he would have been assassinated 7 8 10 years later maybe yeah like <laughs> can i please take leave for <laughs> <Yeah. answer? laughs> so sorry guys can't make it today so basically he is the emperor yeah he can say whenever the meeting is supposed to happen and he is not just any emperor right he is like the, the emperor of the rome the roman empire yeah and if only for a fraction of a second if you could have listened to his wife you know for whatever reason mm-hmm. let's just say okay i you need to have some humility for that right like maybe i don't know everything even though i'm the emperor yeah this lady is telling me she is getting some crazy vibes right so why don't i investigate what am i what do i have to lose yeah you one know? day it's a matter yeah. of a day it's a matter of a day yeah rome wasn't built in a day so exactly he so should have like taken he should have taken his own advice his own example yeah, <laughs> yeah. but no he is the emperor he is julius caesar so he's posh is like shut up woman yeah. and um, he goes to the meeting where obviously brutus and friends all take turns yeah introducing the him to their knives correct so that was one fascinating story where there was a warning yeah it cost him nothing to change things right out of arrogance out of his own whatever he is julius caesar right. blah, blah he went and got himself killed but the other aspect which i did not know that the historian talks about is the night before hmm. where his wife was dreaming that right. just just look at this synchronicity okay the same time the night before his wife is dreaming about her husband getting killed in the city the historian describes that there was the atmosphere was almost electric yeah you could feel there was some kind of a tension in the air because at that point of time even though julius caesar was at his peak of his power he was also kind of showing signs of what other people around him interpreted to be signs of weakness okay and that started coming probably during the later years of his career as an emperor mm-hmm. but they construed whatever he was doing at that point of time they construed that okay this guy is maybe not the god caesar that we knew of yeah he's not the immortal we are beginning to see some mortal signs here right and that gave them the confidence to even think of doing something because for people at that time in rome forget about some other far far, far off, off land town or whatever yeah where people are plotting against caesar no they are plotting against caesar in rome under his own nose under his own big ass nose yeah inconceivable for people to do that yeah. caesar was so powerful but these guys were plotting and in the city there was almost like a mad electric atmosphere where all it felt like a riot was about to break out there were miscreants running around yelling things like yelling abuses at caesar mm-hmm. which again was unheard of during that point of time yeah. no one could dare to do that openly yeah that was going on and literally there were writings on the wall like people scribbled abuses at caesar also saying caesar is done caesar yeah. is no more yeah that's it this is the end of caesar stuff like that right right if only he could have just waited 
you know and his spies next day could have probably by next evening they could have told him ki sir you know they are yeah. all scribbling <laughs> on the walls sir and all sir if you look just under our building ah. <laughs> there are four writings <laughs> but i i you know what i get out of it mm-hmm. is two things that caesar did a mistake okay and if history would have been different he would have you know if would have not done those two mistakes mm-hmm. the first one obviously is always 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 the thumb rule of a married life is listen to your wife exactly which we covered in our episode on marriage on marriage thaiga podcast Thaiga's guys thaiga podcast man where do you think you're going to go yeah everything is over here the All second the episodes thing, are related the second biggest mistake mm-hmm. is very close to the first mistake he did which was when his wife was listening to the dreams episode of thaiga podcast he should have See? heard the episode of measure of men no but he is julius caesar what he is going to listen to two some two guys from hyderabad podcast yeah. julius caesar why why will he listen two pa she was acting top turum and this is what happens if you don't listen to thaiga podcast exactly and share it with 20 people and that is the writing on the wall absolutely for you guys make sure thaiga podcast subscribe and share and share that's the writing on the wall with that we wrap up the body part of the podcast mm-hmm. now let's get to the main section the tail the tail part the tail ending right right and that is the parcel section the parcel section the parcel section is here finally the one which you're waiting for guys and uh it's going to be pretty tricky mm-hmm. because uh the more these se- segments that we are doing of parcel section right right the tougher it is getting to uh suggest our takes picks not for me i got a whole lot more yeah that's because you were awake in your history class so obviously i was not actually you were don't lie school was anyways a lie bogus yeah. just just stop talking when i start talking okay oh, okay okay so the parcel like section saying? so the so parcel you're saying so the parcel section right mm-hmm. would you want to go first i don't think we'll allow you to do that because we know what you do in the parcel section right you put everybody to sleep mm-hmm. so i'm going to go straight into my suggestion my pick for the week it's a movie which is i think a lot of people haven't seen unless you spend a lot of time in star movies in your summer school or in your, on your summer holidays uh it's called bowfinger have you heard bowfinger of course bowfinger i think quite a lot of people in our age group might have seen this yes but then the, the mil- yeah it's yeah. a it's a lost gem according to me mm. it's a very good take about uh, comedy of errors yes and the beauty about the movie is they put comedy of errors in the in the in the movie itself in the sense like it's not a genre it's not like a background theme mm-hmm. but they actually enact all the comedy of errors i don't know if i've explained it correctly i don't think Let so me, either but yeah, it's so, okay yeah i i like i'll explain it to you because you're a little slow bogus right so bowfinger is uh-huh. this guy uh played by steve martin yes steve the martin legend. the legend we all know him mm-hmm. uh who basically is this uh unwanted producer in the hollywood Mm-hmm. right and he's trying to make a mark in hollywood by taking this or directing or producing this crazy movie mm. but nobody is really interested in him 
Right. So finally, the movie starts with he coming across this crazy script, according to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like our great uh, ex-guest has told, kick-ass script. <laughs> yeah. And he gets super excited about it. And he goes to all the big mainstream stars mm. to like, uh, you know, sign them up for the movie. Mm. Right. Mm. But nobody... Re- Knowing his him and his reputation, nobody's interested in him. Right. So what he basically does is he gets a double for one superstar, mm-hmm. right, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. who's played by none other than Eddie Murphy, legend. another legend, right? And uh, he tries to shoot it around him. So right. he basically plants cameras, plants artists, and everybody uh, in Eddie Murphy's real life, right. like in the movie. And he tries to do the movie, mm. right? Uh, so that's how it goes. So why I said that the whole concept was brilliant mm. is when he is trying to, you know, produce the movie right. without Eddie Murphy really knowing that he is in the movie, right? Right? Uh, it it ends up into comedy of errors, right? Right. But they play out how that comedy of error happens. Generally, in a movie, the comedy of error is happening without the actors knowing it, right? Mm-hmm. But here they actually know that this is kind of comedy of errors. Okay. Right? And Steve Martin, being Steve Martin, kills it in yeah. the movie. Yeah. He's the eccentric producer who has this weird delusional belief that he's a crazy producer or mm-hmm. a you know movie director. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an out-and-out funny movie. Uh, everybody should check it out. It's called Bowfinger. Uh, you should find it easily on any of the content aggregating platforms the ott platforms so that's my pick bogus it's been a while since i watched bowfinger but correct me if i'm wrong what i remember was the actual eddie murphy guy who steve martin wanted to make the movie with in the movie he's like a crazy kooky kind of guy yeah he's like a typical movie star right like he's he's cocky and and so basically what they do is there's another movie which uh, of Eddie Murphy mm. where he's a boxer I don't know if you've seen that movie I forgot the name of the movie and they conv- the CIA convinces him to play as an undercover cop or mm-hmm. undercover agent mm-hmm. while being his boxer self and he's like a Floyd Mayweather kind of a boxer mm-hmm. so so here this guy is like supremely superstitious like you mentioned mm. and he's kind of cuckoo in his head mm. he's very kind of like oh he's so scared for his life and you know, he's that typical, he's almost very Indian, to be precise, mm. right? He's like, oh, the black cat crossed kind. So he's that level superstitious. Uh, superstitious. Right. And he's scared of ghosts. He's scared of all these things, like the typical fears. And he's a grown-ass man who's like a multimillionaire. Right. So Eddie Murphy, again, I think it was a no, like for him, I don't consider this particular role as one of the toughest roles he played per no, se. obviously not but uh, yeah they did their part but Steve Martin is the guy to check out in the movies like really really amazing acting yeah Bowfinger um, it's a fun time like you wouldn't even uh, notice time passing yeah it's a very pretty you know, it's a well tempoed movie yeah 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 so that's my pick now Bogus now unfortunately I have to ask you mm-hmm. what is your part all right, my parcel for this episode is a 2000 movie, 2005 <laughs> movie, yeah, um, called Kingdom of Heaven, directed by Ridley Scott, the legend Ridley Scott. Mm, oh yeah. So this movie is about um, the Crusades in the 12th century. Uh-huh. As you know, in during the whole Crusades, there was a certain period of time when the Christians had control of Jerusalem. And then right. there was a certain period of time when the Muslims had. Right. I wasn't there, but I've heard. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Um, so this movie is set around the time when the Christians had control of Jerusalem. Okay. And uh, the Muslims were trying to invade and conquer. You know, get the, it back. Got it. So from the Muslim side, the emperor, the the OG emperor, yeah, uh, on their side was Saladin. Saladin or Saladin? It, they're, they're I think it's names. Salahuddin. It is both, actually. Some people say Saladin, some people say Salahuddin. Got it, got it. And uh, he, in real history as well, he's a formidable figure mm-hmm. for his empire and his conquests, etc. And on the other side of the Christians, the actual, the main king is a guy called Baldwin the Fourth, okay. who was born a leper. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, so throughout the movie, you don't even see Baldwin's face because he's completely covered in a mask. So you don't see his skin at all because of the leprosy. Right. He even covers his face with a metal mask. Uh-huh. And Baldwin is played by Edward Norton. Oh. Who never shows his face. Who's, yeah. Who's, I've heard of this. Yeah. Whose screen time in the whole movie. Yeah. Which is uh, three hours almost. Uh-huh. His screen time is 11 minutes, dude. 11 minutes, Edward Norton does not show his face, but you remember him the most from the movie. Can you believe that? I mean, Edward Norton, I I might actually believe. Yeah. Yeah, he's... His performance as uh, the king, uh, the leper king Baldwin is just reason good enough uh, to watch the entire movie. But basically the plot is that the Christians are in control of uh, Jerusalem. The Muslims are trying to invade. In the Christian side as well, uh, the Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. There are a few Knights Templar who are portrayed in a negative light because oh. they are uh, very bloodthirsty and uh, greedy. That's how they are portrayed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead character is just a blacksmith who d- doesn't know that he is actually a knight's son. Okay. So his father, the knight, is played by Liam Neeson. Oh, Liam Neeson. This Ridley Scott has some crazy cast. Uh, who doesn't? Who's going to say no to Ridley yeah. Scott? Seriously. Yeah, that too. So R- Liam Neeson, who plays his father, he's also a knight, but he's a good knight. Yeah. So he approaches Orlando Bloom and says, I'm your father. I need you to come with me to protect Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. This is not the life for you. Yeah. And so things happen. Orlando Bloom joins up with Liam Neeson. And then he gets the favor of Baldwin, Edward Norton, the king. Mm-hmm. Because he sees this guy is mature and uh, he's not uh, off his head. Off he's his head. Cuckoo. Yeah, yeah. He he is mature. He appreciates the value of life and all that right. stuff. So he makes him account because mm-hmm. he's anyways a knight's son. Right. So he makes him account of a uh, small locality which is completely dry. Mm-hmm. So this guy with his engineering know-how, etc., he irrigates the land. Oh. He wins the favor of people. So he Swadesh. Swadesh. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> So he starts uh, gaining more and more fame among the people as a guy who's a leader. Right. And it so happens that Saladin is now invading um, Jerusalem as on the gates of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And he's going to invade. Right. And there's nobody in Jerusalem who... Can fight him off. Can fight him off. Like there's no king figure. Right. There's no leader. Right. Because the previous leader was killed off by Saladin in our previous negotiation, etc. Mm-hmm. So it all falls on Balian, played by Orlando Bloom, okay. who manages the, not just preparation of war hmm. within Jerusalem, he ends up knighting random people just to motivate them right. to fight. Right. You know, the 
common civilians of right. Jerusalem and he also does uh well diplomatically in the sense that when Saladin starts the siege of Jerusalem mm-hmm. what he might have thought was would have been an easy take yeah it took about 10 days for them to even the siege Knock to the continue gate and come in. so they were not able to breach Jerusalem completely mm-hmm. within 10 days and finally he got frust- he gets frustrated mm-hmm. and he calls Edward Norton out for a negotiation mm. this is where this guy's character balian mm. he negotiates that you you should let the people go right you know i don't want killing i don't want anything let the let whoever wants to stay in jerusalem let them stay in jerusalem but whoever wants to leave let them peacefully leave mm. with me mm. and uh, it so happened that everybody left not everybody left because you had to ransom your way out right so you had to pay basically so whoever could pay they were allowed to leave right but whoever could not they stayed back as slaves mm. but there was no bloodshed right uh, that you see usually during a war so jerusalem was not like ransacked is this a true story or is it like it is based fiction? on true events but uh, you have to take it with a pinch of salt because this movie is a heavily fictionalized yeah. version yeah yeah really scott does that a lot yeah yeah the true part is the 10 days siege yeah. that happened and the negotiation that happened between saladin and balian okay and so see again balian got a lot of reputation because of that incident because he used diplomacy to avoid bloodshed and yeah. he placed more importance on human life right and uh, ultimately saladin ends up getting jerusalem he gets what he wants but also balian gets what he wants. what he wants less bloodshed but the leprosy guy basically loses out he dies uh, early on in the movie because that was a uh, like the writing on the wall you once you have a Oh leprosy right yeah you're going to die young so baldwin dies young as a leper but the cast in this movie yeah edward norton is king baldwin the best performance 11 minutes in the whole movie does not show his face intense um orlando bloom meh the lead uh, he just plays the straight that's orlando bloom yeah the straight role uh, about as well as anyone Any play a straight role. man yeah um then there's uh Eva Mendes Eva Green Eva Green beautiful Eva Green who plays Sibylla uh and there is um, there's a Syrian actor called Ghassan Masood who played the who played Saladin Saladin and yeah. he also man yeah he's like yeah it's great he, I don't remember the name or in but yeah, I remember the character he does such a good job because it's quite a challenge to play a legendary mythical kind of emperor like Saladin but he does a great job uh bringing gravitas there's also Bl- brendan gleeson who is one of my favorite actors um there's liam neeson there's liam neeson so the cast is brilliant yeah the pacing of the movie is just about right in the director's cut i uh, it goes for three longs per 3 hours long but i i really feel that none of the screen time was wasted yeah it just was how the story had to be told yeah and it's a beautiful story it's a completely fictional story don't think it is true uh you know to the t yeah to the t but watch it as entertainment and watch it as a very well done movie and brilliantly acted kingdom of heaven guys that is amazing unnecessarily long speech once again bogus mm-hmm. but uh, that brings us to the end i think we have given all that we can give and that's the writing on the wall bro that this episode is got to end now yep that's what we mentioned in the beginning that 
the 20th episode in the year 2020 mm. right you got to be careful yeah while there's a t20 championship, championship going on championship going ipl t20 yeah synchronicity man but having said that you mm-hmm. still with mm-hmm. all these obstacles yeah our audience can still go to thigap podcast oh yeah always so therefore thank you thigap podcast subscribe and share and share hey thanks for listening you can follow this podcast on spotify to get notified of new episodes every thursday we're also on apple podcast for those of you who have partaken in the forbidden fruit if you liked what you heard leave us a five star rating and a comment say anything like the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog a rating and a comment really helps us out it's free and i'm told that's a great price but enough about us huh Tell us about yourself. Leave us a comment. Our Twitter is at thigap, and we are underscore thigap on Instagram.